0: We've been talking about being fruitful. If I were to ask you the question, how would you describe your Christian life? Would you describe your Christian life as being a fruitful life, or would you describe it as being a fruitless life? How would you describe your life? The Word of God says that we are to be fruitful. But are we fruitful? In this passage of Scripture, Jesus takes the opportunity to teach his disciples about what it means to bear fruit in the kingdom of God. Now, let's go back to the very beginning. Verse 1, the principles of being fruitful. Who are the ones involved in being fruitful? Well, number one, you have the vine. Who is the vine? It's always appropriate when a question is asked in church, the answer is always what? Jesus. That is exactly right, Jesus. Jesus is the vine. All right? But we need to understand that. We need to go back with that. I am the great I am. I am God. I am sovereign. I am Lord. I am the source of all fruitfulness. Everything counts upon Jesus Christ. Who's the vine dresser? God. That's exactly right. The vine dresser is God. What is the focus of the vine dresser? What is the vine dresser's job? What is God's job? Well, according to this, as Jesus teaches us, the vine dresser is to care for the branches. He is to prune them and care for them that they may produce fruit. What does that mean? That means God's job, God's responsibility is to work with us as a church, as individuals, to help us be fruitful. And finally, who are the branches? That's us. We're the branches. Now, You ever ask the question, What is my purpose? Why was I born? Well, that's found in John chapter 15, verse 16. Look at verse 16, if you will. Just open your Bibles up. Take a look at what the scripture says. Why was I born? What is my purpose? Jesus is the vine. He's the source of all things. God is the vine dresser. He is the one that works in my life to help me produce fruit, but I am the branch. What's my purpose? The Bible says this in John 16, I chose you. You were chosen by God. I shared with you before, (laughs) you're not a mistake. God didn't forget about things. You didn't just make your way into God's presence. No, the scripture says God chose you. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you and appointed you. Now, pastor, you want to talk about fruitfulness? Well, that's something you ought to do because we pay you to do that. All right? But, sweet friend, the Bible says you, as a Christian, were chosen by God and appointed. You were given a job to do. Every one of us, no matter our educational background, no matter our age, are missionaries for Jesus Christ. You were appointed. What was I appointed to? That you should go and, here it is, look at 16, bear fruit. We're to bear fruit. That's our purpose. That's why God's called it. That's why the question is so important. If you were to describe your Christian life, would you describe it as fruitful or fruitless? Our purpose, our calling, our appointment is to bear fruit. And look at the end of that verse. And that your fruit shall remain. You know what that means? That means what you do, Fred, as a believer in Jesus Christ, will last forever. You see, we think that what we do on this earth passes away, and and when we die, that's it. That's not true. What we're appointed to do is eternal. It's going to last on the record of God through all of the eons of time. So what you do is important. What you say is important. How you act is important. That is the mission. That is the purpose. What is the place? Look at verse 2 of John chapter 15. The Bible says, Every branch in me. Sweet friends, the beginning and the ending of being fruitful is found there in me, in Jesus Christ. You can't do it on your own. This sermon is not about trying to make you feel bad about what you don't do or do do. This sermon is about you abiding in Jesus Christ. You being in him. You find in your purpose, you find in your plan for life in Jesus Christ. You find your greatest joy in Jesus Christ. If you read Ethan's testimony, he talks about when he found Jesus, when he came into Jesus, there came a joy and a peace that passes all understanding. Do you have that? Fruitfulness begins in Jesus. Jesus said it this way in John eleven seventeen I am the resurrection and the life. No man cometh to the Father but through me. John 14, verses 1 through 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the players in what we're talking about are Jesus Christ, the source, the vine dresser, God, and we as the branches. Now, how do I become fruitful? How do I become fruitful? How do I find my place in this plan that God has set down? Well, the second point is this. It's the pruning that shapes the fruitful life. It's the pruning of God as God works in our heart and works in our life. Look at verse 2 again. The Scripture says this, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Who takes it away? The vine dresser does. The vine dresser comes into the vine, and he lifts up, and he snaps, and he cuts, and he takes away those things that do not produce fruit. He cleanses, he waters, he feeds. You see, sweet friends, there are things that inhibit us from being fruitful. There are those sins that we hold on to. There are those conversations we should not have. There are those attitudes that are almost inbred in us that do not honor the Lord. And to be fruitful, those things must be pruned out. They must be taken out. God must cut the dead wood away. God must trim the live tissue. God must move the unhealthy attitudes to healthy attitudes, to remove the hurtful habits to helpful. Stephen Price says it this way, fruitful branches are pruned, all bad spots are removed, and even the strongest Christian have spots in their life that must be removed. All of us have areas in our life that we struggle with, things that God needs to prune away. What are those areas in your life? Now, we know this. Your purpose is to be fruitful. God called you. God appointed you to be fruitful. But there are things that inhibit you, that keep you from being fruitful. And so God has to take some action. Why? What right has God to do that in my life? Because, sweet friend, if you're a Christian, you belong to him. Because when you accepted his salvation, you gave him your life, not only on this earth, but for all eternity. You are his child, and he is your father, the vine dresser. And you belong to him. And he has a right to say what happens in your life. Hebrews twelve five says this, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. None of us like to be rebuked. None of us like to be set right. Nobody likes to hear somebody else tell us you're wrong. And right now, some of you are discouraged because the things that are going on in your life are God's pruning. You don't like it. God's taking things from you that you cherish and hold on to, but those things don't honor Him. And you're a little upset with Him. How does God do it? How how does God take these things out of our life, those things that are unproductive? How does he prune? Three areas. He reproves, he disciplines, he chastens. Those are the three areas that he works in our life. He reproves. How does God do that? Well, he does that through sermons. Through a verbal warning, through pricking our conscience, through the timely word of a friend, through a verse in the Bible, through a sermon, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Scripture says it this way in Job 5.17, Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves, therefore despise not the discipline of the Almighty. You ever heard somebody say, God, why did you do this to me? Blessed. Blessed is the one that God snips and takes those things away that cause us to not be like Jesus Christ. Can I give you an example of that? A real living example of God reproving one. Do you remember a man by the name of Simon Peter? And when Simon Peter was asked, who do men say that I am, and the other disciples said, well, you're a prophet, you're Elijah, you're returning from the dead, you're... What did Simon Peter say? Hmm? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You remember that? Now, if you were to say that to Jesus, do you think you ought to get an applause? Do you to you think Jesus ought to say, that a boy! Do you remember what Simon said right after that? Because Jesus, after that statement, began to share with him again, he was going to die. Dear friends, our pruning, the removal of those things that inhibit us from being fruitful, cost God greatly. Remember what Peter said, the one that had just said, you're... You're the Christ, the son of the living God, when Jesus talked about his death. Not you. Jesus, you're, you're, you don't do that. You see, my, how does God prune? How does God work in our life? He rebukes. Remember what he said to Simon? Simon. Get thee behind me, Satan. Anything worse you could say to a believer in Jesus? The Lord Jesus Christ reproved his servant, Simon. And dear friends, God pruning out the things in your life that will not make you fruitful will reprove us. He'll warn us. He'll have a friend come and speak to us. He'll have the Bible, its words speak to our... I don't know how many times in my ministry I've had somebody say, Pastor, did, were you in my house this past week? Did you hear the discussion that took place before we came to church today? Sweet friend, that's not me, that's God. That's God pruning God prunes, but if that doesn't remove what is dead, He'll discipline. He'll bring into our life anxiety, frustration, distress. There'll be a loss of joy and a loss of peace. There will be pressure. It will increase. There will be discontent and tension. Life will not be right, and nothing will go well. Revelation 3.19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. You see, God will reprove, but if that doesn't take it out, God will discipline. Simon Peter was reproved by God, but Paul, Saul, was rebuked by God. He disciplined him. Remember, Saul was persecuting the church, taking Christians to jail, having some of them killed, put on trial, and on the road to Damascus as he went to dissolve the church in Damascus, Jesus met him. In Acts chapter 9, verses 4 through 8, the Scripture says, Falling to the ground, Saul, he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said to him, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. You see, God's going to prune. God's going to trim. There'll come a word of reproof. There'll come a word that'll share to us, don't go any farther than that. But if that doesn't work, God will discipline And Saul was blind. What right has God to blind a man? Because you belong to God. What right has God to allow cancer to come into my life? What right has God to allow my wife to leave, my husband to leave? What right has God? Because you are his. You belong to Him. And if your path is a path that removes yourself from Him. Sweet friends, don't be mistaken. Everybody, everybody bears fruit. You either bear good fruit or you bear bad fruit. There's no neutrality and if you belong to Jesus, he has a right to discipline. If a reproof won't work or a discipline won't work, God can move and he can chasten. The word chasten means to punish. What type of person would God chasten punish? A person who lives in open sin. One who disregards the truth of God. One who forsakes Righteousness. God's love will do whatever it needs to do. Um, All of you know I've got grandchildren, right? You've you've heard stories. No pictures, though I wish I had pictures for this. Do you realize that grandchildren love to jump on a bed? They just love it. And I have two grandchildren, one... uh, that is three, or will be soon, and another that is one and three-fourths. Two boys. And if you've never seen two bears wrestle, I'll invite you to my house to watch these two boys, all right? But you put them up on top of a bed, and they just have the best time in the world. But can I tell you about boys on a bed? You better have barriers, because John... They will jump off the bed. And if they jump off the bed, whether they hurt themselves or not, you are in trouble with grandmother. You understand. (laughs) Sweet friend, where are you jumping? Can I take you back, Hebrews 12, 5? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Remember two, bo- two brothers? Two bear cubs by the name of Cain and Abel? In Genesis 4, the story is told. The sad story of one boy who produced fruitfulness and another boy who was fruitless. And the envy and the strife and the anger and the bitterness that led to one brother killing the other. Sweet friend, that's the world we live in. That's the world you read about in the St. Louis paper. That's the world you watch on TV. And God, in Genesis 4.10, disciplined, chastened, reproved, punished. And the Lord God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground. Because that's where the blood was. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. God chastens us. And the purpose of that pruning is to prepare the believer to bear fruit. The purpose of God's discipline, the purpose of God's reproof, and the purpose of God's chastening is not to hurt us, not to damage us, but to help us become fruitful. I told you last time, in the years that I have been a minister, have I ever seen God take the life of somebody? Yes. But let us remember, if you are God's child, and this world is not all there is, we live as though this is all we have, and it's not. Well, you see, after this existence is an eternity with God. So God has a right to call us home. Any of you ever try to put a toddler to bed at night? Ever have a toddler say, when you say to him, James, little Josh, Catherine, would you like to go to bed? They said, oh, grandfather, please take me unto your glory. They do everything they can not to. Sweet friends, you're just passing through this life. And at most, you may make it 70, 80, maybe 90. But there's a life beyond this. And Almighty God has a right to say... Come on home, Linda. It's time. God uses His word to prune and purify purification, our lives. Sweet friends, how does God do it? He uses the word of God. He uses the Bible. He uses what it says, this great instrument that God has given us, empowered by the Holy Spirit to clean us from all unrighteousness. Okay. Pastor, that's the pruning. I I understand that. But what is the priority for a fruitful life? How, How do I do this? Pastor, you've told me all the things that God may do if I don't. How do I do it? Dear friends, let me come back. You being fruitful doesn't depend upon you. It depends upon Jesus. There are two things you must do to be fruitful. Two priorities. You must abide in Jesus and you must bear fruit. Look at verse 4. The Bible says this, abide in me and I in you. Sweet friend, in the Greek, that's a command. To abide in me and I in you. 11 times in 11 verses in John chapter 11, it says abide in me. It's an important instruction, a command unto us. The the word abide, what does it mean? Before you can become fruitful, you must abide. How do you do that? The word abide, abide in me, means to live within me, to keep alive by me, to stay close, connected to me, to settle in for long term with me. It is the idea of ink that is in a pen. It is the idea of electricity that flows through the circuit. We're to be in Christ. We're to abide in him. We're to remain in him. (laughs) In other words, it's the most intimate word that can be used here. Our lives are to be centered inside of Jesus Christ. He is to surround us. He is to cover us. He is to fill us. That means in every decision we make, He is part of it. Every word we say, we give in honor and glory to Him. Friends, that'll prune some of our conversations. That'll help us in what we say about one another and what we say about ourselves. You abide in Him. Why? Because the branch not connected to the vine is dead. You see, not abiding in Jesus Christ is a life and death matter. Paul Fritz said it this way, The best way to allow Jesus to abide in you is by allowing His Word to fill your mind, heart, soul, and emotions with His precepts. That's how important the Word of God is. We are commanded to abide in Him. And what does that mean? That means stay close to Jesus at all times. That means make Jesus part of your life in everything. That means you watch a movie... And you realize that while you're watching the movie, Jesus is seated right next to you. Is this a movie you want to take Jesus to? You get in a conversation, and you realize that Jesus is the third member of that conversation. Is this a conversation you want Jesus to hear? A thought? Jesus is in your mind. Is this a thought you want Jesus to think? That's what it means to abide in him, to live in him. That's what it means to be a believer, to fellowship. And we cannot produce fruit unless we abide in him. How do you know you're abiding in Jesus? How do you know that you're in Jesus, abiding in Jesus? Three things. You produce fruit, God prunes you, and God answers prayer. Look at what the scripture says, John 15, 2. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. How do you know you're abiding in Jesus? Because God is working in your life. Because God is taking those things in your life that do not honor him out of your life. Pruning's not easy. Pruning's painful. But if God's working like that in your life, you know you're abiding in Jesus. You know it. Anybody here ever changed a diaper it's a necessity it's got to be done God's got to prune and, and we may not like it but if God doesn't do it we can't produce fruit We can't be what we were called to be, what we were appointed to be. And if you're abiding in God, not only will God prune, but God will produce fruit. How many people here, if I were to take you to an orchard, and there would be two trees planted there in the orchard and one would be an apple tree and one would be a pear tree and they did not have fruit on them how many of here would be able to pick the apple tree or the pear tree? Now listen to somebody back there I think I could How many could do that? But if there was fruit on those trees how many of you could pick the pear tree and the apple tree? Some of you didn't raise your hand. Okay. You know you're abiding in Jesus because you're producing fruit. John, John 15, go to verse 5. John 15, 5. God's going to prune if you're, if you're abiding in him and you're going to produce fruit. John 15, five, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. So, free friend, you want to identify whether you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you're abiding in Jesus one, are you being pruned? That's difficult. That hurts. And are you producing fruit? i will to tell you something else if you're abiding in Jesus. John 15, verse 7. John 15, verse 7. you proof that you're abiding. You're in Jesus. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. God will answer your prayer. Anybody here want their prayer answered? Anybody have a need where they need God to step in and help them? Bearing fruit is dependent on Jesus, not our effort. Verse 4. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. For without me, you can do nothing. There it is. You want to bear fruit? We're going to talk about fruit next week. What fruit is. But if you're going to bear fruit, that's your purpose. That's why you were made. Then you have to abide in Jesus. You have to let Jesus, you have to take your hands off and let Jesus prune your life. Take out of it those, take out of those things that you cherish, those old grudges That you've held on to for year after year after year. But pastor, you don't know what that person. No, I don't know. But if it's keeping you from being what Christ wants you to be, then it needs to be pruned. But pastor, I've done this since I was a child. Well, before you were born, God called you and appointed you to bear fruit. And if it's keeping you from bearing fruit, then it needs to be pruned. Well, pastor, you got no right to tell me what to do. And you're exactly right. I don't. I don't. Because I've got my own messes in my life i got to take care of, and God's got to prune them out of my life. But I'll tell you this. He does. And, sweet friend, he's working right now to take those out, to prune those, to make you right. He had just gotten out of jail in that East Texas community. The church had an opportunity, they had a fire, and the church had an opportunity to find out about him, his wife, and his children and go minister to them at the fire. He was a rough cob, but he saw the grace of Jesus Christ, the fruitfulness of a family that provided for him and cared for him. And as God began to prune away Mark's life, and sweet friend, it was difficult for him. God brought about eternal fruit. And Mark went back to prison. Not incarcerated, but as a minister. And as he shared with the convicts, they listened to him. Because he was one that had walked their path. And God had raised him up. Are you bearing eternal fruit? It doesn't depend on your effort, it depends on you being engulfed, enclosed, abiding in Jesus and allowing him to prune your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I would ask in these moments that you, Lord, would move in our hearts and our lives. And Lord, you would speak to us about those things that hinder us from being fruitful. That, Lord, you would truly, Lord, convict us. Not because you hate us. Not because you want to punish us. Not because, but because you love us. And that, Lord, you want our lives to count, not just for here on earth, but forever. And there are those around us, Lord, who their lives can be changed if we'll simply yield to you and allow you to work in us and through us to bless them. Who is the one with a burden this morning, Lord? Who is the one that needs to cry out to you? Who is the one that needs to bend the knee and confess? that Jesus is Lord. In his name I ask it. Amen. Brothers and sisters in the faith and those that visit with us, you have an opportunity this morning to come to Jesus. You have an opportunity to accept him as Lord and Savior. How does that happen? Well, abide in him. How do you get saved? Simply, it is this. You abide in him. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And Lord Jesus, I cannot make myself whole. I cannot make myself right. I have tried, Lord Jesus, now. I give you the right to be my Lord and my God. I cannot save myself. I've tried. And I ask you now to do that. Not just for here. Dear friends, you can turn over a new leaf and be a better person here on earth. But we're talking for eternity. You can't do that. He's the one that holds the keys of death and hell. He's the only one that can bring you into his presence forever. And so, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you, and I ask you now to forgive me and to come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. That begins eternity for you. And old things are passed away. Remember what you were told this morning? What Ethan said in his testimony? And behold, all things become new. Christian brother and sister, you're producing fruit. What fruit are you producing? You see, right now, God is speaking to you. Scripture says, if it's not good fruit, then repent. And abide in him. And let him produce good fruit. We ask you to come. We ask you to come and take our hand and share with us what God is doing, what the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. We ask you to confess Jesus. Let's stand. You come.